week on Her Herd, we are chatting with Alice. Alice takes us through her incredible journey of pregnancy, birth and fertility as she navigated this as well during COVID and going across the border. She talks to us about allied health and primary health creative solutions that she came up with during her journey and she shares in particular the why around her decision making and her pathways. I really hope you enjoy this chat with Alice. She is incredibly generous with our community as she talks through what she and her husband have been through. I really hope that you are able to take something from this one. Okay, we're here with Alice, um, and Alice is going to tell us a little bit about who's in her family and where she's living. Thanks, Jen. Um, so I am married to Jay, um, and I have a little boy called George who is almost 10, and we live on a farm on Jane's family farm um, halfway through, halfway between Delunga and Bingra uh, in northern New South Wales. Wow. And so what kind of farming are you doing out there, Alice? Um, it's cattle, so yeah, Brangus um, mainly, and we have a bit of mixed farming, so we, we grow oats for fodder and a bit of barley and wheat. Plenty of fun in that. Yeah, no, it's good. Absolutely. And so you have a little boy, um, 10, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, George, yeah, is from my first marriage, so I had George on my 28th birthday. Oh wow! Okay, so you kind of cool. So yeah. you and George share a birthday. We do. That's yeah. really cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Um, so to get us started, um, uh, from my understanding, you had George in a rural setting too from your first marriage. I did. I had George in Moree, actually. Ah, nice. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to take us through um, uh, how you decided to start a family and through George's pregnancy? Yeah, I um, yes, yeah, we decided a long time ago now. Um, when I was that in my around twenty six, um, I remember it took. I was on the pill and I went off the pill, uh, and it took about ten months to fall pregnant. Um, I had my period was a bit all over the place back then. Didn't know really when I was ovulating that kind of thing. I was pretty pretty naive looking back um but yeah I, I fell pregnant and I had a pretty textbook pregnancy really um I felt a little bit sick in the first 12 weeks that's fine the function fine um towards the end I think it was about 32 weeks I just ballooned um swelling uh, so I remember I went yeah fluid so I remember I went to a a seminar, I had like sandals on for work and I got back to my hotel that night and took my sandals off and my feet were just like grown around these sandals. So it was nice and it didn't go away. Um, How so, far along were you when that happened? 32 weeks. Okay. Um, doctor, yeah, it's like blood pressure and everything was fine. So my doctor, my local GP, he was a GP obstetrician, um, I had my last scan at 28 weeks, which was the standard. There was no reason for them to, for me to need another one. So we didn't do any more scans. Um, and I went to 40 weeks. So I was due on the Sunday. 
Palace, um, can I ask you what care providers you were using? So I heard you say that you had a GP. Were you being GP um, managed or was there a midwife team? Like what were the birthing options at where you were? Um, yeah, so GP managed. So I was a private patient in the public hospital. There was only two GP obstetricians in town. Um, and, yeah, I guess shared care with the mid- local midwives. So I went in. I don't know, half a dozen times to hospital, I suppose, um, the measurements and that sort of thing. Did you see a different midwife every time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there were a few, a bit of crossover, but yeah, there was, I didn't have one single midwife. Okay, cool. Okay. So, um, GP and midwife care and in a public hospital in, um, your local community. So you get to yep. 32 weeks and you've got some um, fluid. Um, yep. Your feet are starting to swell. I think everyone can relate to those photos they've seen yeah. online of different people and their feet. Um, yes. So yep. you get to 32 weeks and you start to have some swelling and you get and you kind of put up with that until 40 weeks? Yeah, I wasn't worried about it. Um, it was uncomfortable. I couldn't wear any rings. I couldn't wear many shoes. Um what but, time of year was this? Because um, for people who don't know, Maury is hot. It's hot. Yeah. Well, he was born in November, so yeah, <laughs> it was getting pretty warm. Um, and I'm an agronomist. I was in a oh, like an extension role at the time, so I wasn't out in the paddock too much. So there was a little bit of that. Um, so I managed to avoid plenty of air conditioning. Yeah. yeah. I can just see now in your Birkenstocks out in the middle of a field, like a cotton field, <laughs> trying to manage yeah. the 40 degree heat and your feet and the sweating. Yeah, that doesn't sound all that great for me. Very so practical think... rural woman. Yeah. I, um, yeah, my doctor was pretty, uh, he didn't have a great med- bedside manner, but he was fine. Um, there was no fuss. And, you know, it was Melbourne Cup Day and I went in for a, Yep. So yeah, that was Tuesday. So I was forty plus two. Um, and that was done by your GP or the local midwives. Uh, my GP. Okay. Yep. Um, and then that night, I woke up about midnight, starting to have a few pain, few cramps. Um, and I I called the hospital and they said, have a shower hang out at home so I did um and I went in the next morning about nine o'clock and um they said it was just early labor I lived in town so you know 10 minutes from the hospital um five minutes really and so yeah they said go home and I just ride it out and then come back in when contractions are um five minutes apart or something like that Alice, had you done much preparation for birth? Like, what were the ways no. in which you navigated <laughs> that process? No, I, um, yeah, next to nothing. I mean, it was different back then because there wasn't, this was 2013. Yeah, um, so this is pre-birth. Yeah, 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 all of that stuff and podcasts and, yeah, all of that. Yeah, it was pretty basic. And, yeah, talking to my mum, my auntie's a midwife. I took care of it, but yeah, it was pretty, um, yeah, pretty basic. So we're living and we're learning. Yeah, yeah. I was going with the flow. Um, and I, it was about 
10 o'clock that night. So this is the Wednesday now. Um, and I remember it was the final of Big Brother and I really wanted to watch who was winning. I'm aging myself by saying that. So um, I thought it was big. So I stayed home until I watched the end of Big Brother. And um, my husband at the time was, yeah, kind of timing my contractions as well. Oh, we better go in. And um, yeah, so we went in and can't remember where I was up to, but it was it was slow. Um, so I just kind of laboured through the night in the shower, um, on the fit ball, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, also awake all through the night and probably half the night before. Yeah. And then by the morning, um, you know, it's pretty So... They, I think they offered me an epidural at that point. Like things were progressing, but it was slow. Yeah. Um, and they, they wanted to speed it up. So they, they put me on the serotonin drip and gave me an epidural. Well, they that which was which way around. Anyway, maybe it was the epidural first because I had to sleep. They let me sleep for a couple of hours. I was going to say at this stage, um, you're probably heavy fatigued. You're going into your third yeah. day at this stage. Yeah, I was. I couldn't. Um, yeah, I was, I was exhausted. So I th- I'm sure that was the strategy. I had an epidural so I could sleep. Um, so that was a couple of hours and then I woke up and I think back when they gave me the drip, um, <clears throat> these things up and I hated it. I uh, just didn't like the feeling of it. Um, and I remember they put a catheter in. I hated the catheter. I was just, I was not happy. Um, and I don't know, like it would have been a few hours, I suppose, that I had the drink on. And I think it was working, but then the epidural wore off. Oh, goodness. Remember, there, was, there was a miscommunication. That's a come to Jesus moment, isn't it? Like, oh, look, country hospital. It's a trace, but far out. Um, and they kept like turning it up from memory. And but I was like, no, no, not working. I can feel everything. I could get up and walk around the room. And I actually told them, I said, stop the drip. I don't, like, I'll do it. I'll just, they were worried that it was progressing too slow. Like, everything was fine. Maybe it was fine. I was fine. But it was just really slow. Yep. Um, and so I told them I didn't want it anymore. So they stopped it. So I had no epidural, no serotonin, nothing. I was, I gas. Um, mentally drunk, and so I just yeah break my way through. I um I used to row back in the day, so I kind of employed my rowing strategy. Um, oh, the breathing, just you know, the breathing and just get through the pain, just push through the pain. Um, which yeah, I guess it worked. I don't know, I got through the other end. So at this stage, um, you you're going into your third day. You've had everything turned off. You're now having some yeah. gas. We're using our rowing breathing techniques for lack of a uh, um, some probably some pre-birth education there. And so, yeah. how do we get to baby Earthside? Um, I started. I think they gave me permission to start pushing, and um, oh, I think like every first time mum, I didn't know what I was doing, and um, one of the midwives 
just just like doing a poo. Okay, I can do that. The sitting on the toilet <laughs> analogy, yeah. Pretty nice. much. Um, but, yeah, but I remember like the midwives had a big change and they were, you know, oh, you're doing really well, you know, really passive, like gentle encouragement. And then I had this older lady come on the next shift and she grabbed my legs and was like, right, you can have a go. I was like, oh, okay, which was kind of what I needed. That encouragement, well, like, right, I'm gonna have a go. And um, yeah, push through. I had two junior midwives faint. That was I'm sorry, funny. you were giving birth and you had two junior midwives faint <laughs> on you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was stuffy in there or what, but yeah, my GP, yeah, yeah, I don't know. My GP came in at that point, he was getting cranky because there was a junior midwife like sitting on the ground passing out um anyway so we, we kept going and i yeah I george and um he like they gave me an episiotomy i didn't care at that point i was like whatever i have to do um two and a half hours of pushing that's a long time of pushing alice yeah well it all made sense when he came out and um everyone just looked at each other and then they, he has gestational diabetes. Sorry. So they pricked me and they pricked George. He was, um, the fluid. Uh, well, he was 4.9 kilos, the baby. So you <laughs> gave birth to a nice 99 percentile. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a lot, about 57 centimeters long. He was like three months old when he was born. Did they give you a gold star? I feel like that's a gold star birth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's still a, um, a crown I wear very proudly. Okay. Uh, so we have George aside. Is there yeah. – uh, what was your follow-up care like once you'd been discharged from the hospital? How long did you stay? And then what was the follow-up care? Um, I stayed five days, I think. Um, I mean, Maury was pretty quiet. I had my own room. They weren't very busy. Um that happened for me to say. I had trouble feeding. George wasn't a very good sucker. Um, so we didn't really... He had plenty of reserves at this that. stage, Alice. He might not have been motivated. <laughs> he, did. he did. But, like, I feel like the offer came out wanting to stay. Like, I just... <laughs> I ne- I could never keep up. He was just... Yeah. The, yeah, the aftercare was pretty basic. I... Community health nurse came around once or twice. Okay. Um, I went and saw them. I still I struggled with feeding. I persevered, um, and I think at about four weeks, I um, found online a lactation consultant in Tamworth, and I did a couple of Skype sessions with her. Again, aging myself there, um, which helped. That was. That was really good. Um, I kind of got the hang of it in about six weeks. Um, yeah, I, I looked into the sleep schools and said I never did anything because, yeah, I was in Maury. It was a long way away. I was going to say that's a huge um, commitment of distance. Okay. So when did you get to the point where, we, I guess we're going to jump ahead a, a bit now. Yeah. Um, so um, when did you get to the point, how old was George when you got to the point where with your husband now that you were thinking about more babies? Um, well, I 
those are just sort of the two when I separated my first husband and then I met Dana a few years later. So it was just five, so it was in twenty nineteen. Um we yeah, we Dana and I had been together probably twelve months. So I was thirty three at that point. Um and I had moved out to the farm, so we thought I mean we had the conversation and I just well, I wasn't going to thirty three. We probably if we want to do this, let's just you know. Um See what happens when I think he was a bit, he was a bit apprehensive at first because he thought it would happen to go. Um, that seems to be a common theme with our farmers. There's um, some reluctancy yeah. in being dads, and then when they get them on the ground, they're like ducks to water about it. Yeah, yeah. So, we, um, I had the marina in, I had it removed in September of 2019, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens. And nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, this is where yeah. your story takes an interesting turn, doesn't it? It does. So I gave it um, six months. I changed jobs the following year. So yeah, 2020, so COVID. I changed jobs in the May. So I thought, well, we'll just be a bit careful for a few months. Like, I don't want to, you know, scare my new employer. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we started trying again. We got married in the October of 2020. So we were trying again then. Still nothing had happened. I was, um, I had the arts and, you know, trying ovulation tests and everything seemed fine. Um, fairly regular period. Um, and I saw my GP towards the end of that year. Is this, it was the GP your first point of contact of saying, hey, this isn't working, yeah. help? Yeah, yeah. So they, um, they didn't really do any tests. Oh, no, that's not true. So, yeah, it would have been like the November of 2020, um, did a progesterone blood test to see if I had ovulated and I had um so like well that's fine you know um keep trying for a few months and come back and I went back in I think the February of yeah February of 21 so we're approaching um, 12 months now uh well yeah over 12 months so that was like 18 months by that point okay I'll be done with that um yeah minus a few being careful in there. Um, went back to the JP, there's still nothing happening. So they gave me, well, I said, oh, you know, can I get a referral to see a specialist? And they said, oh, well, just find what I lied. Like, I don't really have any contacts or, you know, to refer you to anyone. Okay. So, on my own. So, stop. So, there's um, no other woman that's seen that JP in Maury that he could say, you know what? This, oh, this is in Varel. Oh, sorry, now. this is in Varel now. Yeah, that, this was a different CP. So this was, um, and she does like women's health stuff. And she said, because I said, I'll oh, probably would go to Brisbane. And she said, oh, yeah, Queensland Fertility Group. I know they're quite good. Yeah, just go online and, and pick which doctor you think you'd like. Okay, so I did that. 
Um, and I'd actually been listening to a podcast um, called Knocked Up. Um, so Dr. Melbourne does that. Yes, yeah, and then a podcast you're talking about. Yeah, so she got an episode on her qualifications at REI, which is like the highest level of qualification facility doctors in Australia. Anyways, I went on the Queensland Facility Group website and I found, um, yeah, my doctor that Someone had who that had equivalent qualifications. Yeah, I was like, well, I want the <clears throat> This so is the gold I, standard, so this is what I want. Yeah. Yes. So I um, got a referral and I went and saw him in the May of 21. So um, a little bit of a wait there to get into no, him. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was probably weeks I guess which I thought was not too bad Um, Can I ask you a curly question and this will be interesting if you had your time again would you pick solely on qualifications or would you try and fill it out a different way I guess um, what I where I'm getting at is you know as you alluded to with your first GP bedside manner sometimes when you're holding space for some of these really complex things is difficult. Um, yeah. Would you have tried to seek out a different way or or were you lucky and it worked? I was lucky. Um, he, well, they did, but on the USG website, they had little video bios and my doctor, thing. I don't know, I got a good vibe from him. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was as simple as that and and I was like, he is a delight. Um, yeah, my husband said now, like, it's not you just don't want to break up with Dr. Ben. Well, you know. Time to break up with Dr. Ben. I was going to say, yeah. what was that conversation like with your partner? Um, I know uh, my husband, Farmer Chris, is actually um, going to be interviewed himself from his perspective. Um, But I know that was a really difficult conversation to kind of put the line in the sand. Was that difficult for you or was he seeking more answers at that stage too? I think he was seeking more answers as well. Um, I don't remember it being, I guess it was an ongoing conversation. Um, I was probably going down a rabbit hole of podcasts and things. Um, you know, reading up on things fairly well um, to try and figure it out myself. And so I think when you know, we'll go and do this, he was on board. Yes. He was serious as well. You know, he was a farmer. He's like, why isn't this working? Um, so, yeah, so we went, um, we went to Brisbane. So that's not a small hike for anyone who isn't familiar with the geography of where Alice lives. That's at least four and a half hours. Alice, is that correct? It's about five and a half. Five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we we, we had a, I don't know, great. Like, we were in there for probably an hour. He went through everything, all our both our history. Um, I went straight upstairs for a heap of blood. Like, I hadn't. I hadn't had AMH done. I hadn't had anything done. Really. Uh, a- AMH for those playing at home is um, it's uh, your egg reserve. So it, it's not a terribly accurate test. I don't know. I'm, I'm I might be speaking too generalized. Yeah. Well, it, not necessarily. I think. I think it's about um, when you have that test done in your cycle that it can be more accurate or less accurate or something. Yeah. I, well, I think it's 
kind of depends what else is going on. Um, from what I kind of learned. Um, yeah, so we did that. And then, and he wanted to do, um, an XSG, so plus the diaper in my tube under x to have a look. Um, and because we were, um, our doctor was always very conscious of our location. And so he gave me a few numbers and he said, ring these numbers today, try and get in tomorrow or the next day, basically. Wow. He sounds amazing. Yeah, he's great. Um, so we did, so we got in two days later, so we stayed in Brittany. Um, we've got both got family up there and yeah, so I had the HSG, um, and then we went. Home and had done a semen test before we went to Brisbane, so, which is another stroke. You had to go to Tamworth to do that. Yes, I've um, made um, that uh, trip down the mountain just for I that did. test <laughs> alone. Um, it was like a comedy of errors. It's, that's an yeah. interesting long haul trip. Like even though it's only about an hour, it's probably similar distance for you. It's the most yeah. awkward hour of your life. <laughs> oh, it was, we uh, we did it. We were flying to Melbourne. We thought, oh, we'll do it there. We're flying out, but we're flying out at 10 o'clock. And the quality opened at nine on the other side of Tamworth. So it was like. It is a while from the airport, actually, isn't it? Because you've got to go yeah, out to that yeah, one out of. Get out the other yeah, side of yeah, town. Yeah, it was, it was like a um, carefully planned mission. But anyway, so that came back. Yeah, so I thought I had those results when we were in Brisbane and um, the. He wasn't happy with it, like the analysis. He said, look, it looks like you've got a low count, but I don't know. The information he, get, he was getting wasn't clear, so he wanted another one. But he wanted to wait six weeks or something. Um, so we, he did another test. There's really complicated we, rules around that test too, isn't there, Alice? Like when you're trying for a baby and depending on when you're going to do that test, you like have yeah. to abstain for like, 48 hours, but there's no real... I, I remember we spent way too long on the instructions on that that we probably should have given brain <laughs> space for. Well, look, I mean, we've been doing that for a long time, so I kind of glossed over that, but yeah, and we're pretty good at it, timing things um, now, but yeah, so you have to change for three days or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we eventually had another appointment in June with our doctor. Um, that was a Zoom like a telehealth, um, which was great. We didn't have to go that to prison. And I had an AMH of 4.3. And Jane had a low, a count not critically low, but on the low side. And he had sperm antibodies, which um, I thought was explained. The sperm kind of stick together, so they're not swimming properly. Okay. <clears throat> um, but he suggested we do an IUI um, and he said just do one IUI if that I guess really fix the box um, and if that doesn't work we'll go straight into IVF okay. and um, yeah so we did that so I did Clomid um, how did you find the Clomid? Oh, yeah not great it was um yeah, I don't know. I can't remember now, but I know I didn't like it. Hot sweats and things. It was, yeah. Actually, 
I found it affected me more than all the IVF drugs later on. Okay. For whatever reason. Um, yeah, so I did the IUI. So again, that was back up to Brisbane um, for four or five days. So I could do my scan, my first, maybe my first and second scan and blood in Israel. Um which was fine, except there was a delay. So it was a 24-hour delay, which for the IUI was fine. Um, but that makes it a bit more tricky in IVF, though. Well, it can for some people. In the end, it didn't really matter to me if I was on that dose of everything. Um, yeah, so we went up, yeah, did the final scans, and everything looked fine. I had two follicles, I think, from memory. Um yeah, they'll happy with that. To the IUI and you know, naive. We're like, oh, that's all we need to do. That's gonna fix the problem. Um, and yeah, it didn't work. And I remember it being like it, it hit me harder than I thought it would have. Um, and. <laughs> I laughed about it now because I'm like, oh, that was $1,500. You know, that's so much money. Well, what we spent now. But, um, yeah, so that didn't work. The next step was right straight into IVF. So are you having any breaks at this point? Like, you, you know, you... No, at this point. Okay. So I, yeah, I was straight into it um, next cycle. Okay. Well, that, that was the plan. So this was July, in, uh, late July. 21. Yeah. So the COVID border closures had been on and off. So our sire is a border sire. So we so we thought we were at the time in the border bubble, so we could go back with some thoughts. No worries. And we did for the IUI we're in the bubble. But then they changed the rules and there was no bubble anymore. Um, but no one could give me a straight answer. So I literally was like day one about I had all my drugs I was about to start um, and I tried to get a medical exemption but then the the Queensland Security Group board wouldn't sign off on it because they felt it was it was just yeah and when we it, think about COVID in our rural communities you presented absolutely no risk no like risk. I think no Inverell no. might have had over the case of that you know, that really bad period yeah. for Sydney, they might have had one or two cases of yeah. COVID. And yeah. then you take a factor in that you live on a property isolated. Um, your, yeah. fa- your risk factors are so low. Yeah. So I, in the end, yeah, the clinic said they wouldn't allow it. So, right. So, I thought, well, I can't go to Queensland. I'll go to Sydney. So, I called Google and I ran out a couple of Sydney clinics and I said, well, no, you won't be able to come in to Sydney because you're in a regional area. Like, you won't be able to go home from Sydney because of COVID. Okay. So I looked at Newcastle. Um, technically, I could have gone to Newcastle, but I don't know. I didn't get a great feeling with the clinic there. Um, and it was, I was in a spin and I, 
And this is not for a lack of wanting to stick with your doctor. It sounds like you guys loved, I mean, you call him Dr. Ben, you didn't want to break up with him. This is just pure desperation of looking for a service that you can use. Yeah, that's all it was. Um, So I thought, right, I'll leave it till the new year and I'll just um, see what happens then. That's a long Um, time for an IVF patient. How did you quantify that time? Um, I stuck my head in the sand and I thought I'm going to concentrate on getting healthy. Okay. And so I exercised. I tried. That was kind of my focus. Um, yeah, so come January, borders were back open. Um, I got back in touch with the city of Brisbane and we started, yeah, our first cycle in, I think, early February 22. Um, yeah, so, yeah, again, did the first couple of scans of blood in your that was, was okay. They upped my, um, the date, I think it was, I've been on that many different protocols. Absolutely. Um, they had some <laughs> drug. <laughs> they had some drug. Anyway, um, I was pretty, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect when in, I didn't have many follicles. I can't remember, like maybe four. But I thought, oh, that's all right, four eggs. You know, you only need one. And I went in, um, had my collection, woke up and I got two eggs. And I kind of didn't realise how bad that is at the time. I was like, oh, two eggs, it's fine. I needed one. Very uh, one. And we were driving home the next day and got the bed rang me, like he rang me. I didn't know at the time. Again, that's not a good sign. <laughs> um, but it's not the lab, it's your doctor ringing you. And yeah, neither had fertilized. Okay. So um The mental blows are starting to take their toll. Yeah. Well, that was kind of the first time that we thought it might not work. Um had that thought um, occurred to you previously? Not really, like, I mean, it, yeah, the thought crosses your mind, but not well, of course it's going to work. You know, I'd had a baby. I was like, how can this not work? I know I can have a baby. Um, so we went straight back into round two, period. Um, different protocol. Yeah, it was still an antagonist um, cycle, but yeah, different drug. Um. And as I to put us both on um, some compounded vitamins, protein, and all that kind of stuff, because I haven't really been on any of that, really. I was going to say, has there been any allied health services that you've accessed at this point, or are you primarily driven no. by the um, medical model? Yeah. 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 No, I hadn't done anything at that point. So I went in round two, fairly similar exercise got three eggs and I think two fertilized um we got one of them dropped off around day three or four had the other one and I thought um oh yeah that'll be fine so I went up to Brisbane with my mum on day four to go in for a trip so day five it was fine, went in day five, and the doctor said, 
um, it's still at eight cells. We don't have a blastocyst. Normally, we would wait a day, do it on day six, see if we got a blastocyst, but, you know, we don't want to wait around another day. But it's up to you, but I can do the transfer and hope for the best. Um, so at this stage, they're telling that. you you don't really have anything that they would want to transfer, but they were going to give it a go. Is that is that essentially the message they were delivering you? Yeah, yeah. He said, look, Steve can, you know, go to blastocyst on day six and go on and make baby, but um, I mean, most of the time they won't. But he said, you know, it's either hang around another day and wait and see if that happens or there's certainly no harm in doing the transfer now. And it may, if it's going to do that, it'll do it anyway. You know, in my uterus. Um, just keep coming, don't they, Alice? Yeah, so I had about three minutes to decide. So I did that. Um, and Dane was there. So I drove home with mum. And like, my mum's great, but I needed a husband there. Yeah. So I didn't hold much hope for that round. Um, and it didn't. Nothing happened. Okay. So we went. We'll have a couple of months off and we'll go into round three. And at the time, we're like, oh, three and we're done. Yeah, nothing happens. Three, we're done. Um, well, how did you have that conversation? Was that, I guess, I mean, as somebody who's been through fertility treatments, I asked my girlfriends about how they'd drawn lines in the sand. Some had said financial, yeah. others had said emotional tolls, some had said age. But how was that conversation? How did how did you start that even conversation of saying three and we're done? Um, I mean, I think it was a combination of financial and emotional toll. Um, I mean, financially, we were, we were in a privileged position. We had the money there. We could do it. You know, we didn't want to spend the money on that, but um, we could do it. So we, so we didn't want to. I guess we didn't want to be those people that hang around. You know, yeah. We where's the line? Be, yeah, we wanted. Um, but it's not just the physical. It's just not the physical financial cost of the actual IVF because I mean that is. Ex- expensive in itself but it's also yeah. you know having the private health insurance the tires on the cars the fuel um the yeah. time off work yeah. the time out in yeah. your life like how how yeah how do you want to measure um how do you want to measure it like it's, it's a lot isn't it it's a lot and it yeah it, it dominates your life i was really lucky with work um yeah some of the government well i um yeah work for a reseller and my boss is great, um, and he was really supportive and said, "Go, just do what you need to do. We'll figure it out." Um, so that was really good. And as I felt, I mean, I shout out to him. Good. Yeah, and so I felt like, oh, I don't want to miss my great. So I was going backwards and forwards, and you know, go up for a day or kind uh, of, you know, scan on a Friday, and we're going to do collection on Monday, or you know, I come home, or like we backwards and forwards the whole time. Um, and George was pretty easy going. He went with the flow. Um, but, yeah, so we went, we had another meeting with Dr. Ben and said, well, um, I said, throw your kitchen sink at me. Like, I don't care. Whatever drugs you want to try. <laughs> and, um, 
so he did uh, yeah, change protocol again. I went on human hormone and Cineril. So it's like the downreg cycle. Um, so that's where you start the three weeks out before you day one. A lot. Um, yeah. And expensive. Like there is no human growth hormone, like a thousand bucks. And did you have any, I was going to say, did you have any issues getting these into your local pharmacy in Varel? Uh, it was all done through Brisbane Pharmacy and they created everything. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, but it was another 200 bucks. Uh, yes, of course it was. <laughs> so this round three, and I got, I think I got three eggs again that okay. time. Um, and got one, I think one fertilised, and we got that one through to last transferred it, didn't fit. Um, so at this point, yeah, we didn't really, we didn't know what else to do. So we were doing ICSI the whole time as well. Yeah. Um, they were doing a few different techniques in the lab, um, kind of like activation and calcium and all these different things. Um, didn't make any difference. So then had another meeting with Dr. Ben and we talked about um, my periods a bit more. Like I had mentioned to him that I have really heavy periods, you know, but like even one of the most highly qualified fertility specialists in the country built something that doesn't believe you, as <laughs> you say, actually how heavy they are. Like he was like, I don't know how to spell this out anymore. Um... Anyway, without physically said, taking a photo of what my period looks like, yeah, yeah. like anyway, so we did a um, laparoscopy in July, okay, 22, and he found stage three endo and removed it. Um, so I stage three is pretty, pretty. This is why you could give birth to a four point did you say four point six or four point four baby? You've four got point, a high four point nine pain threshold. Because stage three three about the pain and uh, 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 yeah pain but I don't know if it's like a neuro down and get on with it. I don't like I'm not um I'm not doubled over in pain. I never well I never have been. I probably was as a teenager. But um developed strategies to cope. Yeah, just like you what I think. So I had that removed in July. We went back into round four. Um, was there a conversation before you had round four? Because you said yeah. before three, three, yeah. you were three and you were done. And then four, we're, we're going into four. I think, well, at that point we were still like, while we're still moving forward, like having improvements will keep going. So that. So round three, we got our first proper blastocyst. Okay. So that was next forward. Yep. For us. So and then the right. endo and, always and, and the endo removed. Yep. Um. So, well, and prior to that, I so after the or before the surgery, then I like mentally was it was taking a toll, and I um yeah, I had to be pretty. 
pretty bad little phase of blood. Couldn't get out of my funk, you know? Yep. I was just like dominated by thoughts of this and yeah, taking over everything. Um, so a really dear friend of mine is a psychologist and she um, said, right, I'll find someone to can talk to. So she got on one of her like professional forums on Facebook and found a psychologist in Geelong who specialises in um, fertility and pregnancy loss and, and all that sort of thing um, and does a lot of telehealth. So I got a referral to see her. Um, so started that in the September, so the full round four. Um, and no one up, up until this point, Alice, had offered that. It wasn't part of your clinic in Brisbane. No. GP hadn't flagged oh, it. They had. No, they hadn't flagged it. Um, the clinic, they did have counsellors, and I did, I did have one or two sessions, but I didn't. I think you get a lot out of them. Therapy's um, got to be the right fit, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, GP, look, to be honest, I didn't really have much to do with the GP. Um, you know, I could never get into the same GP in town. I could never get an appointment. Um, same old story. I just, I just went around them, really. Like, I went and, I don't know, saw a locum to get a mental health plan. And I remember saying... Um, you know, I've done three rounds of IVF, like I'm, I'm struggling, not like to see a psychologist. And I was told, well, doing IVF is not a reason in itself to see a psychologist. And I'm thinking, oh, have you tried it, lady? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Let's subject you yeah. to three rounds of this and see how you go. Yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, so I started seeing the psychologist. And yeah, it took, a, it took a few sessions to kind of get in. And I kind of walked away the first one. I was like, oh, no, you know, he doesn't get it, but I'll try again. And um, eventually, it, yeah. It clicked. I found it helped. It clicked, yeah. So I did round four in October, pretty much the same protocol from memory. Um, and thinking, oh, yeah, so we got another... So again, I think we have four eggs this time. It's all beauty. Um, and one fertilized. So four eggs, um, but we still we're still with one blastocyst. Well, for day three, it was behind the whole way. Um, day three, it was looking like it wasn't going to progress when I spoke to the lab. So I thought, that's oh, all over. Day four, Dr. Ben rang me. <laughs> so I got nervous when I see him look him up. But he said, look, it's hanging in there. He said, come to Brisbane. We'll see what it's like tomorrow morning. Um, and then they made a blastocyst on day five and looked really good. So, well, great. So we transferred that. Um, and nothing happened. Oh, so... Ah, <laughs> oh, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what to do at this point. We had, the doctor had raised, way back before round three, he had raised the idea of donor eggs um, for quality and quantity. And we were like, no, nah, 
No, not interested. Um, he writes it again. I guess we. I spoke to the donor team through the clinic about what that would involve. But I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know what, what I wanted to do. Um, so huge we said, which subject to get into, isn't it? Yeah. And in hard, but I'm really glad that I got the rate that went easy because it, it gave us 12 months to think about it really to just, entertain the idea okay so you're in melbourne you've had covid for christmas and we're doing some blood work for the naturopath yeah so that um and a couple of weeks later in january yeah i spoke to the naturopath and she said um no kind of a surprises high low progesterone um i um was okay it was there was one level that was low, but she said that's probably COVID um, that did that. So anyway, people be on some more supplements and um, anti-inflammatory diet for the endo. Um, Those supplements because, yeah. plans are like a meal, aren't they? All in one. Um, oh, look, it was everything. So yes, it was yeah, a diet like meal. I, it was look, it was Mediterranean diet. It wasn't too restrictive. I just um, mean by the time you swallow all the pills, your stomach's oh, full right. of liquid yeah, yeah, yeah. pills. Yeah, it's a lot. And we're like, it's yes. But anyway, I, you know, I thought, oh, well. <laughs> we thought we, yeah, we said we'd give ourselves to this year, break decision. It's on the 2nd of January. I said to Dan, I was like, right, what are we doing? Um, And I said, I want to have one more go with my egg. One more crack. I said, I'm going to, um, you know, spend the next month or two um, working on egg quality. So with an naturopath. Um, so that was the plan. And then, um, yeah, a little bit early mid-January, we went for a holiday up in the North Coast and I found an acupuncturist on the Gold Coast. Um, so I went and saw her. So I like that always, you know, about acupuncture, that it's good facility and that kind of thing. But can't access it here. No, those um, services just don't exist, do they? No, and particularly not tailored to that sort of very when I come to in town, but um like physio sort of thing. Um so yeah, I went and saw the acupuncture and it was great. Um yeah, sat down and again like the next staff told her the whole story and she put me on even more supplements. Um, she said, go hard on the gluten dairy free for the next six weeks. She put me on, um, celery juice every morning. So like oh. fresh celery juice. Yep. Yeah. Um, and anyway, for that for a week and I started eating up, I'm just having this headache. She said that detox thing. I was like, oh, okay. Um. Nothing makes you want to crave a caffeine headland celery juice at 6 a.m. <laughs> well, weirdly, um, when I was pregnant with George, I always craved celery. Oh. Yeah. Nothing else. So I don't know what that was about. But anyway, um, so I love celery juice. So I did all of that. 
I um, had another couple of trips up to the Gold Coast to see the actress in the lead up to the next cycle. The next cycle, round five, started mid-February. Um, and I thought, right, this time I'm not going to go backwards and forwards. I spoke to my boss. I said, I want, I'm going to take two weeks off. Um, he said, yep, no worries. Um, and I booked an apartment at Broadbeach or the Gulf Coast and the Coast Mac group and I stayed there and I walked on the beach and I, you know, aggressively relaxed. Um, <laughs> it makes me think of that Bluey episode where the mom's like, I forgot how to relax. <laughs> yeah. It was like that. I was, I was getting acupuncture every second day. She was doing all these other pressures. I had like these pressure things on my legs or the blood slurry. I was very angry things. Um, in your mind, were you doing everything like these things that you did differently this time around? Was it more of a this is my last go or and I'm just going to give it the whole hog or is it this more of a I'm going to give it the whole hog and, and see if it works? Uh, I think it was the latter. I was, I was like, you know, all the, everyone always has lots of advice. Where you go through all this, and you know, it's hard. I suppose you could try this, you try that. Just like, well, I'm going to try everything. Yeah, I was like, I'm aggressively relaxing. Um, I cannot relax any harder. Um, <laughs> I've read I, ten books. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I looked. I felt great. I was. I was manifesting it. I was. It's going to be great. Um. And so yeah, we stayed on the Gold Coast and. Covered up to Brisbane and went in for eight clothes. And I only had three or four follicles, which was pretty normal for me. But Doc Ben was happy with that. He said, That's all right. We're going for quality, not for Um And then I woke up, I clicked, and I had number seven on my hand. I got seven. Eight. No way. At this point, you're just like, I've manifested the hell out of this. And you know, I was like, It works. But all this stuff works. All that celery juice. I was like, this is amazing. Like, and I remember there was really bad. There was another girl in recovery and she only got five ages or something. Like I never beat anyone in recovery and I beat so much. So <laughs> I'm really happy about that. Um, and yeah, that was great. So we, you know, well, we had this in the bag. Um, and the plan was, um, the doctor was going away later in the week. And so he said, look, let's do um, a day three transfer and let's put two in if we get two. And just for something different, it totally <laughs> really makes me different. Um, and so then, you know, we we're really cocky. I remember sitting at breakfast. I'd be cocky too. Yeah, I was like, we're going to have sweetness, so this is what's going to happen. Um, and then I got the call from the lab and Freddie hadn't fertilized. Freddie had fertilized abnormally. Oh, Alice, my um, Yeah, there's some native sticks. Yeah, a six on the killer. And they said, look, it's not looking good. And. Well, oh, sorry. No, it's right back there. And it was just during this high, like, best result ever. Um, 
Yeah, the crack was a real gut punch. Um, and I said, "Look, we'll give you a call this afternoon." Um, so we didn't know what to do with ourselves. I walked over to Pat there and I went to East Saint Laurent, nearly bought a handbag because I was just like, "I just need to manic purchase." <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, and yeah, Ben rang me that afternoon and yeah, he said, "Look." He said, go home. He said, if they, he said, we're not going to do the day three. So there's no point. Well, there's two or three that are abnormal. He said, we'll, we'll grow them out to day five. And if there's one that's good on day five, then we'll transfer it. Or another doctor will give me away. Um, and I said, well, it's like, what's the problem? Is it the egg? Is it the sperm? I don't know. He said, we can't know. Unless we, you know, got donors and tested them, which you can't really do. Yep. Um, so we went home and the lab rang me again that afternoon. No, maybe we went home the next day. Anyway, the lab rang me and um, I was trying to get more information out of them. I was like, like I have the master's in science. Like, I get it. I know what cells do. Like, why can't you tell me anymore? Um, they couldn't really. Yeah, we. That must have been the longest five-hour trip home. Yeah, I can't really remember it to be honest. Um, I remember I took the rest of the week off, and I think the thing with a failed IVF cycle is there's no, there's nothing tangible. Like there's no, you're not unwell, like a miscarriage or something. You know, like there's not. It's just nothing. And so you just get on with it. And yeah, I went back to work the next week and I didn't I didn't know what to do. We had another appointment with the doctor and just had like a good long meeting with him about what to do. And he couldn't they don't really know. Like he said your best option is a donor at this point. He said, well, he said your best option is a donor egg and a donor sperm. Wow. Um, we, were, we weren't interested, yeah, to get the best possible um, embryo. We weren't interested in first sperm um, because we already had George. We ended up, my cousin, who's the same age as me, we're like sisters, um, lives in South Australia, but she offered Get um, off it in the path to burn out an egg. And... Wow. Yeah. So she got her own mate tested, and it was two. So oh no! Like, right. We've got two kids. But, um, well, that's the end of that. Um, and I got back in touch with the donor team through the clinic, and they said we started down the path of um, like donor egg bank. So the egg came from Ukraine, which apparently is foreign at the moment. I, um, th- I think this this needs a bit more backstory, Alice, because in Australia we don't have a huge network of donated eggs, do we? No, very very limited. This so is the pretty much an offshore thing. Yeah. So the other thing we have in Australia is really strict laws. So you can't 
um, you can't pay for um, biological material. Yes, basically has so to be completely. Only, we say it wrong. Altruistic or al- altruistic. That's yeah. it. So there's only yeah, there's only some. So even to get from overseas, you have to go to a clinic that has the same well that that regulations meet Australian laws. Okay. So, um, whatever reason in Ukraine and Georgia they do, and they donate a lot of eggs over there. I don't. I still don't really know why, but they do. Um, could also have one out of the state, but it was more expensive. Didn't have great reviews. Um, and so then we looked into that, and that was um, there were different packages you could basically buy different numbers of eggs. This is a whole nother um, kettle of fish. It's almost gone to AI cattle style, hasn't it? Yeah, it was not too similar. Yeah. Um, so you, you pay for, we were looking at the package, I think it was 12 eggs, and they would give you an embryo guarantee for blastocyst, I think. Okay. Um, and if, yeah, if you didn't get them, they would replace We'll get more eggs. But you had to meet firm parameters to get the guarantee. Oh. So, which Dane didn't meet. Um, yeah. He, oh, in there, we also had DNA fragmentation testing done on which was fine. Yeah, so we, the package we're looking at in the 12 eggs, we didn't meet the guarantee, um, and it was going to be 30000 Yeah. After the 50, we were already spent. Oh my goodness. So, um, yeah, we we did the counselling. I also got an MRI at this point um, to check for adenomyosis. Yep. Which came back that I did have it. Um, so the plan then was while we were getting the donor eggs organised, which would take a few months, I would be put on drugs that would basically put me into menopause to settle everything down in my uterus. So where are we at time-wise here? Are we at last year, 2022? Um, so this year. This is this year. Yeah. Um, May? Okay. Yeah. yeah, May? Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're going down that path. And we, yeah, we've done the counselling. I got an email from the donor team, so we paid the fifteen hundred registration for the donor program, um, and they went through basically in more detail on the process to choose your donor, which is a really, really involved process. And I just got, I didn't get a good feeling when I got this email, and I was like, "Don't even feel right," and. I just had a bit of an epiphany one day driving around at work and I was like, I don't have to do this. Like, I think what was holding, what I was worried about was, um, I was looking down at our September transfer, best case scenario. Not the best time of year if you're an economist. Well, it was just, it fell a long way away. And I was like, if you've gone long, forever um 
and thirty grand is no guarantee of even getting an embryo, let alone having it sick, let alone having the baby. Um, it just wasn't good at and I came home one day and I said to Dana, I don't. So did everything come on and do it? This is an amazing, like, brave thing to say out loud. Yeah, it was, um, I, it, it just wasn't good enough. With stats weren't good enough. And again, we had that money sitting there. You know, for other things, but you paid the fifteen hundred dollar registration fee. Well, off. you are not um, and um, so we pulled out, and um, yeah, that was that was the end of it. How was that conversation? Um, I remember the Friday night. And we, um, I don't know, we sat, we had some steak and I think I had a bottle of wine and <laughs> we sat and listened to some funky music and thought it out. And um, what we do. And, um, yeah, it was, I guess, a relief in some ways. Where was his head at? Was he feeling similarly? He said he was kind of feeding off my enthusiasm. So he he was he was keeping going the little dialogue to keep going. And it you know, it's it's so in ways it's harder for him because I have jaws, you know, I've had a baby, I know what it feels like. Um, and while he's a you know, incredibly active, amazing step parent, he hasn't had that experience and so for him to kind of say this is enough and everything that we have is enough but yeah it was pretty amazing sounds like you've got a pretty good bloke man i do he's a very good bloke yeah and so we um yeah he's told himself and um I, that's why I said I can't back up with Dr. Ben because then I wanted to get on top of my period. <laughs> that's a yes, I'd like you, Dr. Ben, is an OBGYN as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> um, There's two, exactly. you can't take too many blows at once. No, no, that's right. Uh, well, I was just, the other thing is after you stop IVF, it's the inevitable, everyone tells you you can have a miracle baby. Um, and, you know, they tell you about the person that they know that that happened to. And there are lots of people that that happened to. Um, I always like to doesn't... say that line from that movie, um, I am the rule, not the exception. Yeah, yeah. But it's like everyone thinks you're going to be the exception. Yeah. And, but they don't kind of realise that every month, every month, you still get it. I'm a victim, you know about the miracles. Like, well, I'm maybe I'm going to be the miracle. Um, so you, yeah, you have to put up with the that disappointment every month. And 
then I have these horrendous periods. And in my mind, for no good reason. It's not serving, it's not doing anything, but I have to put up with it. You have to endure it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, and yeah, now I'm starting to or something. So it's a clotting medication. So far, it's helping. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty keen towards the end of the year to get the marina back in and just call it, you know, once and for all, just because I don't have a period on it. And um, yeah, too fitting. Sitting still fairly firmly with your decision, Alice. I think you have a really interesting perspective to offer in relation to where you live in small rural communities and you're going through this. I think um, it people are really aware of what's going on for you. How have you navigated that? Obviously, going through your 30s is a time when lots of people are having babies. How have you how have you managed that? I I can't I can imagine that's really difficult. Uh, it's really difficult. Um, I. I don't know, a lot of therapy. Um, I, yeah, it's been tough. Like, I've, um, I've had a lot of friends, yeah, have, well, they've had babies now, you know, a year old. Um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at excusing myself now from baby showers and birthdays and things and, um, I, I don't know. I've just had to put up with it, I suppose. As I, so if you could give your, if if you had a girlfriend going through what you've been through or something similar, what would be something you'd do for them? Oh, um, sorry, put you on the spot. <laughs> Look, I think it's acknowledgement of the toll that it takes. Is it just sitting um, in the shed? Like rather than saying or trying to create hope around something, is it sometimes just allowing somebody to sit in it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, like, as it's tell silly that a couple of friends sent me a couple of bunches of flowers to work, like just at a random time, and um, just thinking of you. Yeah, um, because. Not, you know, I don't, I don't want to only make to count what having a miscarriage is like, but I, I think we've come a long way in uh, acknowledging that yeah, and that grace. And I never got like a tangible, yeah, moment in time of grief um, where people would send a bunch of flowers or a card or say, you know, I'm really sorry. The last time didn't work or whatever. I mean, they did, but it is different. It's different. It's It's just not holding space for it, is it, each month? Yeah. Um, So things like that. I think it's just acknowledging the grief. And as well, you know, yes, I I have a child, but... um, I'll stick the at least up your backside. Yeah, the at least. Yeah. Um, particularly when you're co-parenting, because it's really we don't understand that. Like sometimes you are handing your child over to someone that you don't trust at that time. Yep. And like 
that is a really difficult thing to do, but you do it every second weekend, you know? Um, so wanting to have an experience with my husband where we don't have to do that. Yep. Would have put it in really nice. Yeah. So are you still working with your psychologist? I am. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I'm kind of booked in for the end of the year. I've run out of mental health. Yeah, so I'm not getting any um, Medicare rebate at the moment. Um, Ouch. That in the grand scheme yeah, of fertility. Yeah. It is. Um, I think yeah, that's better. I think that's chilling. I think it should be. I don't know. You know, more than the success and all that because it takes six months to get into things. Um, I think rapport usually is, you know, somewhere between one and three, depending on how quickly you click with a clinician. So, yeah, you know, half of your time's used up just feeling whether it's the right person. And that's if you're lucky to stroke the right person the first time. Yeah. Um, And I don't know, it's bizarre. Like, I've only ever done telehealth. So, I've never met this person, but, um, yeah. I, look, I'll, yeah, I'll continue it until the end of this year. And see where you're at. See, we'll see where I'm at, but, yeah. Alice, my yeah. final question to you is, if you could go back through everything that you've been through, what would be the one thing that you've done or the creative solution that you've come up with that you would implore your girlfriends to start from the start, what would be that one thing? Uh, I would have done the matchup and the um, acupuncturist earlier. Um, I would have, you know, because I, you, it was hard to access them, but it wasn't in the end, you know. When you're already committed to the travel? Yeah, yeah, I would have committed to the travel from the get-go and throwing everything at it from the start purely because I felt better like I felt more empowered when I was healthier um yeah and but those services are out there um but it, it is it's hard you don't know like you don't know what you don't know and you don't know that they're there and you can um you can access them remotely to a point. Um, yeah, I would definitely say. And psychologists as well. He'll hook into some of those allied health professionals. I think that's what I think that's what's coming across. Absolutely. Um, we yeah. will definitely link the allied health creative solutions that you used um, in our show notes for anybody else who might be accessing um, a fertility treatment over the border. Um, I just want yep. to say thank you so much, Alice. I have learned so much from your story. Um, <laughs> that was a bit long-winded. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think yeah. that you are incredibly brave and, um, yeah, your story has so much that people can take and learn from. Yeah, I hope so. I think. I think overall, like, staring your situation and the reality of your situation in the face and saying, I tap out. I think it's the most powerful message overall. Honoring yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. We're in a nice space now, just getting on with life. And it's a nice feeling 
you get on with life and not be dedicating your whole life to something that may or may not happen but appreciating you know what we do have and um yeah and what a life without a baby offers you know absolutely thank you so much alice Her herd recognises the traditional lands and waters on which this podcast was recorded.